This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in ultra-stylish, premium-quality travel gear, like the exquisitely designed Taskin One expandable backpack. With nine practical variations, the Taskin One is always the right size for wherever life takes you next. Save 30% on your next purchase when you use the promo code RNRTAKE30. That's RNRTAKE30 at TaskinSF.com. Next up on an all-new Rick and Rick. Compound V from Amazon's The Boys is now a real-life energy drink. All right. How Nestle used AI to expand Vermeer's classic painting, The Milkmaid. Disney Plus recruits Brie Larson to marvel us with a cool new VR experience. And are you ready for Christian Bale to return as the Cape Crusader in Batman 4? Neither is anyone else. Plus, <laughs> loaded questions and a whole lot more. And it all starts right here, right now. On the one show that's short on character and big on Ricks. And everybody rules the world. Hey, welcome everyone to this Rickoramic new episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World. I'm Rick Matheson, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Wesley Snipes. I mean, Rick Wooten. (laughs) It's funny you say that because just this week, they announced that they're already producing a new Blade series. And uh, while Wesley Snipes isn't involved in it, he actually said that he approved. Yeah, that's cool. Now, is it on Disney Plus or somewhere else? No, I think it's going to be a theatrical release. That's awesome. It'd be nice to see Wesley Snipes in it, you know, even just a cameo. I would love a new Blade series. How are you doing? You've had some news. Yeah, you know, it's definitely been a couple of sad weeks. As you know, we had a loss in the family. You know, it's been a pretty big part of my focus. But and I'm really looking forward to today's show and to kind of get all that stuff off my mind. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. My condolences here, but we'll do our best to let you forget about all of that for a little bit and have a little fun. So this is the show where the Ricks share their unique brand of news and views from the worlds of marketing, media, tech, and pop culture. And as always, we Rick things off with Rick and Rick Radar Love, starting with the Reddit conversation about would you be up for seeing a fourth Batman from Christopher Nolan starring Christian Bale? And it sounded like DC fans were not so big on that. I have to say I must be in the minority. I've been uh, a big fan of Bale for quite a while. I mean, he he played in Terminator and of course he became famous from American Psycho. And I I think that kind of dark side of him actually made Batman a kind of interesting character for me. But I know I'm alone in that. Where do you sit with all that? Oh, I actually liked him as Batman quite a bit. And then for the live action movies so far, I think he's been the best. But I think I understand what they're saying and where they're coming from. That last one had him giving up being the Batman. It doesn't make sense to have a fourth Batman from that particular universe. What I would be excited about is seeing Christian Bale alongside Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton in a multiverse story like The Flash. I think that would be cool, but I don't need a fourth edition of that particular universe as Batman. It would be kind of weird to artificially add in a fourth, but I really like Christian Bale as Batman, so I'd love to see him again. There is word from Entertainment Weekly that Hugh Jackman is returning as Wolverine in Deadpool 3 with Ryan Reynolds. So I think it's safe to say Marvel fans would be very happy to hear that news. Yeah, you know, it's true, but, you know, it's kind of interesting because Hugh Jackman has said he's not going to return. And now he's saying he will return, which is kind of interesting. One of the things that Hugh Jackman said is like it was too difficult to get into shape to be Wolverine at, you know, whatever age he is, 50 plus. And so he's like, you know, I I don't want to do it again. So 
it, either he changed his mind, which is totally possible, and props to him if he did, or he's not playing it the same way he had in the past, which would be interesting as well, because there could be a lot of different aspects to the Wolverine character. Like when we saw Logan, I mean, that was a completely different take on it, and I really enjoyed it. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this works out, but I do have to say props to them for how they announced this. It was absolutely hilarious. You know, you got Ryan Reynolds hamming it up, talking about how hard he's been working on writing something and basically came up with nothing. And then he said, well, I did have one idea. And then Hugh Jackman walks behind him. He's like, hey, do you want to be in a movie? And he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. It was just awesome. The timing was just perfect. Yeah, I think part of why this is interesting is because it's not a Wolverine movie. It is within the world of Deadpool. The Logan movie, that was 2017. That was a different universe as Logan, correct? I don't know that it was not part of the main line. What I can tell you is that it was a time jump. It was supposed to happen at some point in the future. It was not supposed to be concurrent with the current timeline. I see. I got to say, that movie was a ballsy approach to go in. It's not a big bold, spectacular. It's a character-driven movie, and I was pleasantly surprised with it. And if I remember right, it actually wasn't a big budget either. I, I don't think that they knew if it was going to succeed or not. Yeah, I just looked it up. It's, it was 97 to $127 million. I think that was including advertising. So it was a smaller budget for an MCU film. I think it actually performed pretty well, and at a minimum, they get a cult following out of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a fascinating movie. If you haven't seen it, folks, be sure to check that out. Alright, well, when we come back after the short break, it's time for the good, the bad, and the marketing, including new marketing initiatives that make use of AI, AR, and more. So stay tuned. Hey, Rick and Rick Nation, don't forget to check out our website at rickandrick.com. It's double the Rick in just one click at rickandrick.com. And welcome back to Rick and Rick Rule the World, Rick Matheson and Rick Wooten. And it's time for the good, the bad, and the marketing, starting with Nestle's use of AI-based art direction in a new campaign for its yogurt and dessert brand that I am told is pronounced La Latier. So, Rick, we've talked about this on the show of whether or not creative directors are going to be replaced by AI. And my response was, what you talk about, Wooden? <laughs> so this was from an ad week. And a campaign comes from Ogilvy Paris, which is using the outpainting AI art direction tool to extend Dutch artist Johannes Vermeer's famous painting, The Milkmaid. And there's a video on it. I believe I've posted this on the Rick and Rick Facebook page. Basically, the AI generated imagery beyond the frame of the original painting, emulating Vermeer's style so that we see a larger picture around what we know of as the milkmaid painting. So it shows a busy household, there's children playing underfoot, and there's a stately man and woman waiting for the milkmaid to prepare them some great La Latier-inspired desserts. You gotta watch this video, Rick. It is fantastic. And all the stuff that's happening with these newer text-based AI art tools are freaking amazing. Longtime listener Paul has been playing around with one. What you do is you enter words to describe the type of artwork that you want, and within seconds, it generates phenomenal art. It's incredible. There was another story this week. It was about an artist who claims the first U.S. copyright for a graphic novel featuring AI art. Mm. So he used AI to generate the art in the, in the graphic novel and then copyrighted it. And he believes that it's actually the, the first one that's been done so far. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. There, of course, is the discussion of, okay, this is going to replace jobs. And uh, it seems like the reaction so far from artists and writers you know, that are seeing this stuff is that it's a tool for them to do what they do faster, 
smarter or better. I see, obviously, whole new efficiencies with this stuff, but should art directors and writers, like myself, should we be afraid of this AI? I don't know that yet. I'm sure at some point, right. but it'll be true of every job, I guess, by that point. Yeah. You know, I think I have seen this campaign. I certainly didn't realize it was Nestle, but I saw where they took two or three famous pieces of art. The Mona Lisa was one of them. Scream was another. And Starry Starry Night was a third. And they used the AI to flow the three of them into one longer piece of art. And it was actually pretty freaking amazing. The Amazon series, The Boys, they've licensed Compound V. It's the formula that gives people superpowers in the show. Well, it's going to be a real world energy drink flavor. Yeah, I thought this was pretty funny. And, you know, we've seen a ton of these brand tie-ins with TV shows and movies and things like that. Stranger Things and Egos and that sort of thing. But I thought this one was pretty funny and pretty cool at the same time. There's a company called G Fuel. They do an energy drink. It's pretty popular, I think, among the kids. And so they went ahead and sponsored it and they call it G Fuel Energy Formula with Compound V. It's like, That's awesome. That's awesome. Could you imagine, you know, in 7-Eleven or something and like the double take they would do if they see Compound V in a drink? Exactly. You know, it reminds me of that one case I think we talked about in the show a while ago. Somebody who actually sued Red Bull because it didn't make them fly and that they had seen the commercials <laughs> and they assumed that they would fly and the court threw it out and they said, look, no rational person is going to believe that it's going to make you fly. So no, we're not doing it. Uh, and so anyways, this kind of reminds me of that. No, it's not going to give you superpowers. Right. But it's still fun. Next up, Disney Plus is releasing its first augmented reality enabled short film. It's called Remembering, starring Brie Larson, who plays Captain Marvel in the MCU. It is almost like expanding the world of the show in the same way that Nestle's expanding the picture premieres Milkmaid. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I don't I don't know much about the show. It, it, it says that Brie Larson is a, is a writer who had an idea when her phone rings and interrupts her thoughts. And somehow, you know, she has to try and recover this idea or whatever. I, I think that's what the show is about. But the idea of it is that you can then take your phone or tablet or, you know, larger screen device with a camera and point it at your television set or point it at whatever you're watching this on. And you can interactively 3D manipulate what's going on and basically interact with the video in the show, which is kind of cool. And so like in the screenshot they show that there's a there's a family sitting on the couch. They have pointed at their TV and water is flowing out of their TV onto their floor and all these plants and trees and everything else are popping up around them. And so, you know, they can they kind of interact with it. So I think I think it's cool. I think it's interesting. I think it's very much niche and a demonstration of the technology versus like something super pivotal and interesting. But I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping this ends up being one of those things where I'm totally surprised by it. Yeah, no, it does sound like it's experimental, but I, I think it's a neat idea. I don't know if it's happening during the show. It sounds like it is, which might be disruptive to the narrative. Yeah. I was also wondering how many people watch Disney Plus on their TV versus a tablet or something else. And then I was thinking, what, do I got to juggle my tablet and my phone to do this or something? That's a good point. And it looks neat. I, I liked the picture in the article that was showing people sort of interacting with the AR elements coming out of the TV set. I thought it was cool. Yeah. You know, I, here's, a, here's an interesting one for you. And I saw this a little bit ago, and I think it still holds true. But what do you think the largest scale, the most used AR game is? I would imagine it's still Pokemon, is it? It is. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. People were nuts about that. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And at a minimum, everybody has to try it at least once. All right. Well, if all this coolness wasn't enough, you'll want to stay tuned because after this next break, it's time for a quick round of loaded questions, including a look at how the four P's of marketing may begin an upgrade. So don't even breathe until we get back. 
This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in ultra-stylish, premium-quality travel gear, like the exquisitely designed Taskin 1 expandable backpack. With nine practical variations, the Taskin 1 is always the right size for wherever life takes you next. Save 30% on your next purchase when you use the promo code RNRTAKE30. That's R&R TAKE30 at TaskinSF.com. And welcome back to Rick and Rick Rule the World. Rick Matheson and Rick Wooten. Rick Wooten, are you ready to play Loaded Questions? Yes, I am. Awesome. Question number one. According to agency giant Merkel, retail marketers should add a fifth P to the four Ps so that it would be product, price, place, promotion, and A, packaging, B, payments, C, personalization, D, pantomime, or E, parsley, sage, <laughs> rosemary, and thyme. According to Merkel, retail marketers should add which to the four Ps of marketing? Wow, that's a that's a tough one. I, I could see personalization being in there. I could see packaging. I'm going to go with personalization. I, I actually think it probably should be packaging, but I'm going to go with personalization. I think that's what they would say. Yeah, no, it's such a tough one. I think I would have picked personalization as well. But in this instance, they are indeed talking about B, payments. Payments. Yeah, so where there may be merit to packaging and personalization, Matt Regan and Lisa Katz of Merkel write in MyTotalRetail.com that with new payment types taking hold, thanks to all the shifts that we've seen during the pandemic, retail marketers should add payments as the fifth P of marketing. Well, once cash and credit cards, obviously, were the top payment types, they been supplanted by card not present or cardless transactions, BNPL, buy now, pay later, of course, Boppus, buy online, pick up in store, as well as embedded payments through apps like those from you know, Starbucks or just walk out shopping, such as Amazon's fresh stores. I will add that while Katz and Regan don't mention this, that assertion does jive with a study I saw from Radiant that shows that nearly 60% of retail customers now choose where to shop in part based on the type of payment options offered. I don't know about you, Rick, but I actually have found myself doing that. If I'm going to the grocery store, I'll go to the grocery store that has, you know, one, self-checkout, and two, has contactless payments. You know, I, I think that occasionally I do. I, maybe I'm not as frequent as you, but I'm notorious for, for getting my wallet. Like, I'll leave it in my pants from the day before and then put on a different pair of shorts or something the next day. Yes. And I'll get to the store and all I have is my phone. Yeah. Like, I do, when, when I know that I've forgotten my wallet, I do absolutely go to places where I can do Apple Pay. Yep. 100%. Question number two. After rising 15% last year, total holiday 2022 retail sales are expected to rise by A, 4%, B, 6%, C, 12%, or D, 19%. After rising 15% last year, total holiday 2022 sales, online and physical store, are expected to rise by how much this year? I'm going to go with 6%. I, I think that this is going to be a slow growth year versus years in the past. You are correct. The answer is both A and B. So Deloitte recently forecast retail sales will increase somewhere between 4 and 6% to between $1.45 trillion and $1.47 trillion. Retailers such as Walmart, Target, you've probably seen this. I mean, we're talking about this recently. They're already rolling out Christmas promotions. And I guess that's because after all those supply chain problems, 
problems. Now everybody's got excess inventories. Everything caught up and they had bought all this stuff. Now they've got to move it. There's been increased spending on bucket list travel and dining experiences instead of retail. Obviously, growing economic anxieties over inflation and rising interest rates, the war in Ukraine, and on and on and on. So to your exact point, Rick, this is going to be a softer growth season. Still growth, but not as fast a clip as we've seen in recent years. Now, in terms of digital, Deloitte forecasts that e-commerce sales will grow by 12.8% to 14.3% year over year. So that puts online sales at somewhere between $250 billion and $254 billion. That is up. So whatever purchases people are making, they're anticipating it's going to be increasingly online, presumably looking for deals. Yeah, that's fair. You know, and, and to that point, I mean, I think flus and stuff like that are going to play a big role in it, whether it's the next COVID or whatever. So I think if we have another outbreak, I think that perhaps maybe those numbers are a little a little high, but it's a, that's an interesting one. Final question. Athletic Shoe and Apparel mega brand Nike is reporting that thanks in part to the metaverse, digital now accounts for A, the 35% drop in Nike's stock price so far this year. B, Nike's push to open 200 <laughs> new brick and mortar stores. C, 26% of Nike's total revenues. Or D, Phil Knight's new favorite word, yeet. Nike is reporting that thanks in part to the metaverse, digital now accounts for what? Let's say it's 26% of their revenues, because I think their revenues are actually up. You are correct. Nice. And teasingly, I'd say both B, C, and quite possibly D. But yes, specifically, according to the drum, the answer is C. So Nike Land, the brand's virtual world on Roblox, has thus far attracted 21 million visitors, thanks to its Nike-branded gaming experience that also allows users to buy virtual Nike products. Now, while it's not broken out as much, the drum suggests that this effort has surely contributed to Nike's digital results, which now represent 26% of the brand's total revenue. Now, by how much is unclear, in fact, I'm skeptical that that's really a lot, but according to Business Insider, Nike does plan to open as many as 200 new small footprint brick-and-mortar stores in the U.S. and Europe as part of the brand's shift to more direct and digital sales. So the stores will feature self-checkout through the Nike app and Boppus buy online pickup in store as well as BOSS, B-O-S-S, which I just made up, for buy online and ship from store. So let's see if that catches on. But I think it's a confluence. So it is B and C, but definitely the drum was attributing the metaverse experience as being a, a factor here. And Nike is among the really the first top tier brands to go digital, mission of physical and, and digital here. And is that really a word? It, people use it, yes. I first heard it maybe five years ago, but I saw a story recently where one of the retail executives was saying, you know, we're really into digital. It wasn't Nike, it was another brand. Now, whether founder and former CEO Phil Knight's, you know, whether his new favorite word is Jeet, we kind of doubt it, but it's not outside the realm of possibility either. Awesome. Also of interest, sort of tangentially related to this, according to Morning Consult, most consumers could give a rat about the metaverse, except one group in particular, avid moviegoers. So nearly two out of three respondents who went to the movies at least three times in the past month said that they had heard a lot or some about the metaverse. It's far more than the 46% of U.S. adults who have ever even heard of the word metaverse. Mm. So the, apparently they did a promo for two movies recently. I think it was Tenet and another one. And apparently over three in five, something like 61% of those who went to the theater three times in the month said they trust brands that advertise in the metaverse a lot or some, which is interesting.
interesting. I don't know. New technologies and the internet itself and virtual reality, I mean, they kind of get a head start in things like porn, but then entertainment. And so it's really not that crazy to think that. Well, I mean, that's that's how, you know, Yahoo and what was it, Alta Vista and Google got started, right? You know, the websites got created and people had a hard time finding them and figuring them out. So these indexes popped up and over time it's... Beautiful. Well, there you go. That's maybe a great business model for someone of being the metaverse indexing service. I assume Google will do that, but right. maybe other players that can Google Google. <laughs> True. Awesome. I think that is going to close things out here for this episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World. Rick, before we head on out this time, why don't you share with folks where they can find you online? The best place to find me is always on Twitter. I'm at Wooten, W-O-O-T-T-E-N. And how about yourself, Matheson? I am at Rick Matheson on Twitter. And of course, you can find all our social links and listen to archived episodes and more at rickandrick.com. Until next time, please stay safe, keep each other safe, and keep on coming back to the one show where everybody's name is Rick. And everybody rules the world. 